0: Now, if you would, please turn to Mark 5. Um, last week, we mentioned come to church with something. Remember we talked about that? When you are come together, 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six. When you are come together, every one of you has a psalm, hath a tongue, hath a doctrine, hath a revelation, has an interpretation. Paul was telling the church at Corinth, Listen, you're all coming together. You all got something. Just do things decently and in order. I thought it was interesting in the New Testament. They didn't just come to church to get something. They came to give something. They got something from the Lord in their spirit during their walk with God throughout the week. And they brought it to church and they released it. They spoke it. They said it. And it brought edification to the entire church. I don't know if you guys realize this, but... Sometimes pastor needs edification. And I've learned to encourage myself in the Lord, but there's also times it'd be really cool if somebody else would rise up with a prophecy and a tongue and an interpretation or a revelation and just share it out. Not not just something from your head, something from the Lord through your head. You know what I mean? He's in your spirit. That's, when it talks about every one of you has a revelation, he's talking about something the Lord revealed to your spirit man. And then your spirit man processed it through your brain, and it came out here, and we could all hear it. Mm-hmm. Jesus told Peter, right after P- the Lord said, who do people say that I am? And they were saying, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And Peter rose up and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Revelation. He got revelation from the Father, and the Lord said he was very blessed because he was open to it, and it came to him, and then it came through him. And a lot of times when you come to church, you'll get things at home, or sometimes you get things on the spot, too. And when a meeting is opened up, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to wait for the Lord to pick you up. You don't have to wait for a whole sentence. You don't have to wait for a whole paragraph. Just by faith, begin to speak the one or two words that you sense coming up from your spirit, and it will turn into a prophecy. And more words will begin to flow, or, or an interpretation of a tongue, or a doctrine, which is teaching or instruction. Could be a mini-teaching or mini-instruction. And we just want to see to it that the whole body of Christ starts coming to church not only to receive, especially on some of these meetings that we call believers' meetings, to give out, to pour out. So if you've got something tonight, there'll be an opportunity here throughout the meeting to give that out. And I'll let you know when that is. Mark 5, are you there? I want you to notice verse 21, and then we're going to read a few verses and bounce down to verse 35. So Mark chapter 5. I I thought... Since this is the first Friday of the month, we have it advertised that it's our Healing and Miracle Night. And so we're going to do what we said. We're going to emphasize that tonight, but at the same time, I believe it's more than me just preaching. We've all got good things we can give to contribute to a successful Healing and Miracle Night. Mark 5, if you would please look at verse 21. And this is... um, We go to this a lot for the woman with the issue of blood, but we're going to look at it in Jairus' standpoint tonight. Verse 21. All right, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was near unto the sea. Let's read a few more verses. And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought Jesus greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you, I'm asking, I'm begging you, come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. That's faith talking. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. You know, the next few verses is where a woman with the issue of blood got the Lord's attention, and delayed him. In going to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. And then we're going to pick up there because, in that meantime, while Jesus was delayed ministering to this woman with issue of blood, or actually explaining how she got her healing, the, the girl of Jairus, the 12 year old girl, died. So, what would we call that? Okay, so you got a daughter, you got a son, they're sick, almost ready to die. And you're looking for somebody to help and, and on the way there, you were delayed, you got news, your child just died. What would we call that? We call that a crisis of life. Sure. Not fun. Right? Well, I wanted to share this with you. This is the way it came to me. We need to get a revelation that crisis is not the boss. Now, depending on how we respond to a word of crisis, depending on how we respond to a bad report, it may be the boss. But I want to talk to you tonight about how to respond to a crisis. Is that okay? Whether she, was, whether she uh, got healed and was raised up or not, or whether she passed away, that's still a crisis. Right. Are you listening to me? Because how you respond to a crisis kind of sets you for the rest of your life. If you're not cautious, it'll set you on a road that could maybe not be the best because of the response. You know, just talking with Ruthie too, and I know my mom, when she passed away, when you're a believer and you're in the Word all the time, dying is not that scary. No, it's It's actually... I know when my mom and I were talking, she knew she wanted to go home and be with the Lord. She wasn't sick or anything. And I slept over at her house a few nights on, on the couch. And I, I was just believing she's going to take off tonight. She wanted to. She wanted to. Take, we, we were openly able to talk about dying because we both knew to be with Christ is far better. Right. To depart and be with Christ is not better. The Bible says to depart and be with Christ is far better. You know, the disciples are all freaking out when Jesus said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on a cross, I'm gonna rise from the dead, I'm gonna go to the Father. And and they were like, Oh Lord, you're not gonna die. And the Lord said, You should rejoice. Because I said, I'm going to the Father, man. This is a this is a promotion here. This is a big deal here. Right. You should rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. I've done probably fifty to hundred funerals since I've been a pastor, where I've actually was the leader and the, the, the minister. And when they're saved, it's really interesting, but when the people are saved that had died, when they're saved, there's actually a lot of joy at those funerals. Yes. A lot of joy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, I know Keith Moore talks about the arrivals and departures. If you could back out away from this planet, you would see thousands and thousands of arrivals every day. New new babies. And you'd see thousands and thousands of departures every single day yep. on this planet. It's like a big airport. Mm-hmm. There's arrivals and departures, arrivals and departures. Every every one second or so somebody dies, every one or so seconds somebody's born. Isn't that something? Yeah. Just in the few seconds I started talking about it, many people have departed and many people have arrived. Right. And believers are not supposed to be afraid to die. No. I actually was talking to my mom about this. I said, you know, Ma, I think I'm going to have to teach the church sometime on how to die. Because <laughs> the Bible says, I will die the death of the righteous. Yes. There's a righteous way to pass, to pass on. And, you know, our forefathers, like Jacob and others, they knew they were going to die. And so what they did is they called in all their children, all their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, pronounced a blessing on them all by faith, a very powerful thing, brought his legs up in the bed and gave up the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let go. Sometimes you have to watch out about keeping people here mm-hmm. because you want them. You know, think about what they want. Mm-hmm. I remember one time praying for somebody um, to be healed, and when I was praying for him, there was zero anointing. Actually, like I said, I almost sense the Lord almost saying, Stop praying. They're ready to go. They want to go. You can't keep them here. Pray they have a peaceful departure. Because sometimes, you know, it can linger and, linger and linger and linger and linger and linger. And it's so wonderful just to be able to know, I can depart and be with Christ. Paul said, I'm in a strait betwixt two. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And Paul is saying, like, I got something to say about this here. All right, so this is what we call a crisis. Can you all agree with that? Especially when you see the next few verses. Verse 35, and we'll read through verse 43. While he yet spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Your daughter is dead. Why do you trouble the master any further? As soon as Jesus, now look at this, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, what did he hear? A very bad report. About as bad as you can get. Your daughter just died. I mean, Jairus is probably having all kinds of feelings and thoughts. Lord, if this woman wouldn't have delayed you, my daughter wouldn't be dead. But Jairus had enough sense to not say anything. And the Lord had to say something immediately before Jairus did say something that might have messed some things up here. He needed this father of this child being in agreement with him so Jesus could go deal with this daughter of his and respecting the authority in her life. So, Jesus heard the word that was spoken and he said unto the ruler of the synagogue. Now this, is, this is huge, guys. You ready? Don't be afraid. Only believe. Put yourself in his position. Fear is probably attacking you like... he's probably having all kinds of feelings from A to Z. Sometimes I think we got problems. He said, and now, when he said don't be afraid, this is so interesting to me, he's basically saying stay calm. Because this is not the human natural response. This is not the first thing you're going to feel like doing is being calm when you hear a terrible report from a doctor or you hear a terrible report from a, a police officer who's calling you because of an accident or whatever. Which I believe our angels are protecting us. I believe that. But what happens when the crisis of life does come? Well, this scripture says that if you do certain things, and it's possible. you know, Because there's some things, I don't understand why these things didn't. I don't know. I don't know the questions and everything. But I do know this. The Lord put this in the scriptures for a reason. Yeah. And when he said don't be afraid, he's not saying that to comfort him this is warfare he's saying that as an order I don't think sometimes we we take these scriptures like the Lord's you know saying he didn't suggest now I suggest you know no, he said don't be afraid what does that mean that means with everything in your now here's the interesting thing about it when the Lord tells you to don't be afraid listen closely When the Lord tells you something, like don't be afraid, with the command comes the enabling. You can try not to be afraid in your own power a million times over. But when the Lord tells you don't be afraid, now you're not in your own power anymore. His commands are enablings. Would you say that with me? His commands are enablings. He would never tell us to do something Without first giving us the ability or knowing that we have the ability to do it. He would be unjust and unfair if he did that. But a lot of people, they, they think, well, the Lord told me not to be afraid, but I just can't do that. You're, 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 you're speaking words, you're stout against the Lord. And that's wrong. If he said do it, he knows you can do it or he wouldn't say do it. Right. And to check your feelings to see if you can do it is how you get messed up. So, I wanted to say just a couple things about this. Receiving a miracle starts with fear not at the moment of crisis. Now remember, you can feel scared to death, but you don't have to act scared to death. And what you act is way more powerful than what you feel. Hmm? You understand that? You, you can feel scared to death and be totally a person of courage at the same time. Because fear is, is something you can feel, but it doesn't mean you have to live that way. It doesn't mean you have to act that way. When people begin to act in fear and talk fear and act in fear and talk fear, that's when they begin to receive it into their life. Until then, it's just knocking on the outside on the door. You can feel scared to death and totally fear not at the same time because fear not is more about how you talk and act than how you feel. Um, little, Just a little personal testimony. I know when when I had a struggle with fear, oh, it was demonic. God's not given us the spirit of fear. You know, there's little fear, and then there's a spirit of fear. And it's really not a very powerful demon. Um, (laughs) There's different levels of, you know, demon powers, and it's really not. It feels like a powerful one, but really it's not. It's like, it's just a big mouth. But um, I know when I had a struggle with fear, I mean, I'm talking not normal. I mean, paranoia. Anxiety to the highest level. It was terrible. It was trying to cripple me from being a minister. It was trying to keep me from being in the ministry. It was trying to destroy my life. And I was, you know, doing everything I knew to get free from it and not getting a whole lot of progress. And then one day the Lord said to me, He said, Son, I'm not asking you to fear not. I'm telling you to fear not. That did two things. Number one, it kind of made me feel like um, I feel a little, a little neglected here. I'm looking for help. And, um, but my other thought was, you know what? The Lord would never tell me to do something I couldn't do. Right. And so when I realized that, I realized, Lord, you're telling me to do this? Well, then I must be able to do it. Bless right. God, I'm not going to fear. Right. I am not going to fear. Right. Fear not is a commandment. He's not saying don't feel fear. You're going to feel all kinds of stuff in this life. But what you feel is minute compared to what you do and how you talk. What you do and how you talk is way more powerful than what you feel. I know your feelings are going to disagree with that, what I just said, but it's the truth. How you act and how you talk is a thousand times more powerful than how you feel. And the Lord told me this is one of the most... This, This is when I saw great advancement in getting free from fear when I realized the Lord's not asking me, He's telling me. So what would you do if the Lord told you, stop being afraid? Let me tell you what you don't do. You don't go, I'll try not to. you do everything in your power to not be afraid. I had to actually face some things head on and square on. Instead of running away from them, I just looked at them head on. The devil said, you can't do that, so I'll do that times a hundred. You can't do this, I'll do that times a hundred. You have to have that attitude. You hit this thing head on. And so I did, and that's how I got free, and it was really, really powerful. So, I want you to think about this. Okay, so we got that first step to getting a miracle. What is it? When you get a bad report. What's the first step to getting a miracle? Don't get on the wrong road immediately by being afraid. Actually, I need to show you the scripture. Go to Job 3. I didn't give it to the overhead projections. But look at Job chapter 3. There's a scripture in the book of Proverbs that says, The fear of the wicked will come upon him. Interesting. Sounds like faith in the negative. Because, you know, according to your faith, be it unto you. And the Bible says the fear of the wicked will come upon him. See, you start realizing what fear opens the door to. You start realizing why God didn't just suggest fear not and why He commanded to fear not. Because it's very bad for you. Job 3. Remember what happened to Job, right? The devil attacked him in his body. The devil attacked his family. He had deaths in the family, more than one. He had uh, great uh, tests in the physical area, in the financial area. And all these things came upon him. And if you look at Job chapter 3 in verse, oh, what is it, 25 and 26? Job 3, 25. It says, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. So the the greatly fear shows that this was not just a one or two or three, four time thing. This guy lived in fear. And you can see it in the first chapter where he did all these good things in fear and it actually opened the door to the devil. Isn't it interesting? You can do good things because of fear, and actually opened the door to the enemy even though you did good things. He was offering all these sacrifices for his children because he said, oh, maybe they're partying again tonight. Maybe they curse God in their hearts. I need to offer up more sacrifices. He was doing it in fear. Nothing wrong with offering up sacrifices in those days. But if you do it in fear, now there's something wrong with it. It's kind of like this. Let's just bring it to today. All right? Somebody says... I'm not going to send my kids to Christian school, or excuse me, I'm not going to send my kids to public school because I'm afraid of all the bad things that are happening in schools and it's going to be bad for my kids. Listen, here's the thing sending them to a Christian school is fine, but not sending them to a public school because of fear, that is not fine. That is a spiritual force operating in your life that's actually opening the door for something to happen that you don't want to happen. Sure, don't send your kids to a public school, but don't do it because you're afraid something bad might happen to them. Do it because the Spirit of God told you to do it. Do it because you believe it's the best for your kids, but don't do it because you're afraid. I mean, if you have any reverence for the Word of God, you realize you can't do that kind of stuff, and it'll be well with you all your life. What about in the area of, of, of buying a firearm, purchasing a gun? I'm going to get a gun because I'm afraid. All these crazy things that happen. I got to get a gun. I got to get two guns, and I got to have them. And I got to, I got to, you know, I got to get a gun because I'm afraid. Friend, listen. Get a gun if you want, but don't ever get a gun because you're afraid. Right. Right. According to this scripture right here, you open the door for a problem to happen, and then you're going to go. See, I knew I should have I got a gun because somebody came to our house shooting up everything. Well, maybe you have to help. Maybe you help that happen by opening the door. The thing which I greatly feared has come upon me and that which I was afraid of has happened unto me. That's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual principle. You don't want to live in fear. You don't want to talk your fears. You don't want to act your fears. You want to make sure that you're doing what the Lord said. Fear not. Well, I'm just just so afraid of this. It's happening. i got to do this. No. Do what you got to do, but do it because you believe the Lord's leading you to do it. Don't, make, don't let fear push you around and tell you where to go and what to do and what not to do. Don't ever let fear do that. Fear wants to be your boss and you need to not let it be your boss. Stay calm. Declare the Spirit of God's leading me. I'm not going to make any decisions based out of fear. I'll do what I do because the Spirit of God told me to do it. And you don't, want, you don't want this to happen to you. So Job had some terrible things happen and one of the reasons is right here. He said it himself. The thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And that which I was afraid of has happened unto me. All right. I want to talk about this just for a minute here. Um, A lot of people, when things like this happen, they get sidetracked into the big question, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And they start analyzing their entire life, saying, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? If I was better over here, if I could do better, if this happened. What, where's the sin? Where's the. You know, I can't remember Jesus ever telling somebody before he healed them, we got to talk about why this sickness even happened in the first place. No. He may address it later in a message or a sermon to help you close the door and stuff. Maybe you didn't know you were opening the door to or whatever. But when you need help in the crisis of life, you don't, you, you don't need to be all caught up with why the crisis happened. You need to just go to the Lord for healing and like a little child, receive what you need from Him and then later talk about some things, right? But I can't see God saying, I can't see God just coming up to somebody who just fell and broke their leg and said, oh, you know why you broke your leg? Because you were running in a place you shouldn't have been running. No, He's going to say, are you okay? He's going to lift them up, get them healed and then maybe a little later talk to Him about some things in a gentle, loving way. But you know, when you need a healing in the crisis of life or you need power to get through something, right? that's not, You don't need to be analyzing at that time why, 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 why. The devil will be right there with a million whys to wear your brain out and to stress you out and keep you from sleeping properly and eating properly. Why, 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 why? There's reasons things happen. We understand that. The curse causeless shall not come. We understand that. But a lot of times when the crisis of life hits, Jesus didn't go, now Jairus... I know. How, how, how'd, the, how'd this happen? How'd the enemy get in there and make your daughter so sick? And what's going on in the home, huh? Is there something going on in the home shouldn't be going on in the home? How, how'd this... No. No. Right now, you need a miracle. You need a healing. Number one, calm down and fear not. Yeah. Number two, he said, only believe. Right. Only believe. You like that? Yeah. I think... I could be wrong about this. I know I'm not speaking for everybody, but in Kenneth Hagin's day, back in the you know, 40s and 50s, and, and when he just got born again, um, the Lord told him that, concerning the people of his day, that they're, they're doing pretty good in the believing area, but they're not doing so good in the releasing of their faith area, the confession area. I think it's a little opposite these days. I think we got a lot of the confessions down, and I'm not sure we're believing properly on the inside in some of these areas of healing and prosperity and deliverance. Uh, good confessions cannot take the place of really believing in your heart no, that it's happening. Not at all. Jesus didn't say you're going to have what you say, period. He said, if you believe a thing in your heart, yes. say it with your mouth yes you're going to have what yes. you say. And you know a, a good confession cannot take the place of believing it's happening. Right. On the inside, I mean, right. you're done making your confession and if they could see your insides, everything's different. Man, you believe you got it. You got, some, you got some joy on the inside of you. You got a peace that everything's taken care of. But you know a lot of believers, they're confessing the word over their lives, speaking healing scriptures, speaking prosperity scriptures, and if you could see inside of them, they're still worried. They're still wondering what they're going to do. There's no more joy after they prayed. There's nothing much changed. You can't, a good confession cannot take the place of truly believing in your heart that something good's happening. Yeah, yeah. Come on, That's important stuff. I think our generation's a little different than Brother Hagin's generation. They had the believing down, they didn't have the confession down. I think we got the confession down. I think we need to make sure the believing is down. You know what I mean? Amen. Between good confessions, you're thinking like a rich person. Not yes. just saying by, uh, he's meeting all my needs or or you know wealth and riches shall be in my house. Between confessions, your thoughts are on the same thing you've been saying. Yes. Your heart is on the same thing you've been saying. Yes. It's not confession and back to the old way of thinking and four hours later you make another good confession then back to the old way of thinking and uh-uh. Our insides have got to be right too, not just our mouths. We really got, and I thought that was so interesting because uh, did I ever share what Marge said about that? Yeah, how the Lord told her, believe. That's the that word, believe. Well, that's how you get saved, healed, and delivered. Um, now, go to Mark 10. Mark 10 and look at verse 15 I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity to listen to one of Keith Moore's recent messages on receiving healing or how to receive from the Lord really, really good. I'm going to share a couple of things right now that he had spoken out on that, on that CD, on that tape not tape, but MP3. <laughs> Sorry, I dated myself. How many of you remember cassette tapes? Then you're all old too. Okay, so we're all old together. How many remember 8 track tapes? Man, you guys are really old. How many of you remember reel to reel tapes? You remember reel to reel tapes? Mm hmm, okay. We're looking pretty good for how old we are. Mark 10. Here's a real good key on how to receive a miracle from the Lord. Because believe you receive is, is a part of what Jesus told Jairus. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God, or can we say anything of the kingdom, healing, deliverance, prosperity, whoever shall not receive these things as a little child, he shall not enter therein. This is a really important word here. I wanted to emphasize this because as I was listening to this teaching, something changed on the inside of me. I got a revelation that there's a lot of believers today. Now, do you see the word receive there? You see that word? I'm going to give you the definition of that word in just a second from the Greek manuscripts. All right? "lambano" is how you pronounce it. And it's the same word in Mark 11:24. 24. What things soever you desire, Jesus said... When you pray, believe you receive those things and you shall have those things. Believe you receive. So the word receive in the Greek, it, it basically means to take. To take something. Do you know, just like you take something in the natural, you can take things with your faith. I can take this with my natural arm and hand. All right? You can take things with your faith the exact same way. But now, the the coolest thing about this verse here, he says if we don't learn to take things that he's provided like little children, we're not going to enter into any of these things that the Lord says we can enter into. Healing, deliverance, prosperity. And you know, one of the most interesting things about a child is that when you hand them something that's really good, you know, like a, popsicle or a cookie or a or an iPhone or a computer. You know, when you hand them something, let me tell you what they're not going to do. They're not going to go, "Oh, I don't know if I'm worthy to receive that not popsicle." I, you know, I had a temper tantrum the other day, dad, and I know I don't I'm not I know you're handing it to me, but I just I can't take that right now because I'm just I'm just not perfect. You know, I didn't clean my room like I said I was going to. And I lied. And I didn't take out the trash with a good attitude. I kind of grudgingly did it. And I'd really like that popsicle, Dad. But I just, I can't take it. I'm just, I'm so unworthy. And they do without something that their parents said they could have. Hmm? If you want to receive the things of God, if we want to receive the things of God, we have got to 100% get rid of this, Oh, I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve this. And then back off and not receive what he said we're supposed to take. You got to be like a little child and go, Hey, Dad, you said it's mine. Thank you. It's not even a time to talk about your mistakes. It's not even a time to talk about your rebellion. It's a time to receive and receive the Father's help and love. You know, a lot of times, receiving these things from the Lord is going to help you to live better. Right? Right? I mean, the Bible says in the book of 2 Peter that these exceeding great and precious promises are actually going to help us to escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. He said we escape the corruption that's in the world through lust by receiving these exceeding great and precious promises. It's not we get the lust out or we get the the imperfections out and the promises come. The promises come and they help us to live right. Right? And so we need to be better receivers. We need to know, you know what? This is not based. On, a child does not get a popsicle based on their perfection. They get a popsicle based on their parents' love for them, right. in the midst of their works in progress or diamonds in the rough or whatever. You don't. You don't. When the Lord hands you something, that is not the time to evaluate your life and see, have I sinned recently? If He's handing you something like a little child, take it. Yep. Glad. Take it. Latch on to it or you won't get anything in the kingdom of God. Right? Yeah. Verily I say unto you, if you don't receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you'll never enter into it. How does a little child receive? Boldly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Lord will give it to you even if you're not thankful for it. A lot of times kids don't even say thanks. They just take it and get it go. Now, you should train your kids to be thankful. Don't get me wrong. But they just take what's handed to them. So why wait for a miracle when you can take one? Why wait for a healing when you can take one? Has the Lord provided? Yes, He has. Look at the menu. Right? 1 Peter 2.24 is mm, mm, good. If you need healing, Matthew 8.16 and 17, mm, mm, good. Right? If you see it in the Word, take it. Right. If, if it's in the Word, that's God handing it to you. So let me read you. Okay, so you're on Mark eleven twenty four. 24. So look at what Jesus said. He said, Verily I say unto you... Oh, that's not Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Did you have Mark eleven twenty four 24 up there? Okay. Thank you. You're staying right up. You're doing great. Therefore I say unto you, Jesus said, What things soever you desire, people, when you pray, believe that you receive those things. And Jesus said, you shall have them. Let me ask you this simple question. When did Jesus say to believe you receive healing? One answer is when you pray. But let let me say it this way. Jesus said to believe you receive your healing before you have your healing. How do you do that? By faith. Right. You take it by faith. You say, I believe I got it. I don't feel like I got it. But I believe I got it based on what? The word. All these healing scriptures you're standing on. Mm-hmm. God can't lie. Therefore, you can't stay sick if you believe. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. When do you believe you receive healing? Before you have healing. Mm-hmm. When do you have healing? After you believe you receive healing. Hmm? You just want to ask people sometimes, you know, it's like, when are you going to believe you got it? When you feel better? That's not faith. You're going to know you got it then. You've got to believe you got it before you, got, you, you, you feel better. I mean, you just want to ask the people, when are you going to believe you got it? In other words, when are you going to start smiling? Mm-hmm. Oh, when I feel better. Unsaved! Heathen, do it that way. We are not unsaved heathen. We are believers. We are believers. We believe what God said above what our body's saying. Right? right? Sometimes I just want to ask people, When are you going to believe you got it? In other words, When are you going to quit being sad? Right? Well, when I feel better. That's not how it works. Right. You got to believe you got it now. And Jesus said, You will have it soon. Right. So I ask people sometimes. When are you going to believe you got it? When, when are you going to act happy? When are you going to act... When are you going to, when are you going to quit praying for the same thing over and over again? Come on. When are you going to declare, I, I believe God heard me? Because that's very important. Mm-hmm. And I don't like agreeing with people in praying this. Pastor, agree with me that when I go to the doctor... They're going to give me a good report. I don't like praying that. Waiting for something before you believe right. it worked. Still waiting for something. Still waiting for something. Pastor, believe with me for the doctor's report, the doctor checkup to be perfect. I'm not going to believe with you for that. You know why? Because we don't need that. And there's no scripture that says that the doctor report's going to be right as soon as you go back. But we can believe what is revealed. We can believe that by Jesus' stripes you were healed right now. We can believe Christ has redeemed you from the curse of sickness and disease. We can believe that right now. We don't need to pray and believe that the doctor's report, we've already got a good report. And it's a little higher level than a doctor's report. Or should I say a lot higher. What does Isaiah say? Who has believed our report? And to whom was the arm of the Lord revealed? Surely He took our infirmities, bare our sicknesses, and by His stripes we were healed. Glory. Right? Glory. I don't like praying that. I don't like praying. Oh, let's pray. Pastor, pray with me that, that I'll, I'll go to the doctor and I'll get a good report. No! Still waiting for something in the natural to happen before you get happy. Still waiting for something in the natural to happen before you believe you got it. When are you going to believe you got it? When are you going to believe you receive well, when I feel better. You, you don't need to believe then. You'll know it then. Right. Faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is all about this realm when it looks like it's not working, but you believe it is because you see past this realm. So, Jesus said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, do this. Believe you receive them right then when you pray. That word receive means take. Believe you just took something into your life. And if you really believe you took something your countenance is going to change. Your words are going to be different. So here let me give you this word here and we'll close and open it up just for a few moments. The Bible Bible word receive in the Greek is lembano. That's how you pronounce it in the Greek. That's where the original uh, text came from. And this is what the word receive means. Remember, we're talking about receiving by faith. Taking something in the invisible realm into your life. Alright? It means to take with the hand. I'd call it the hand of faith. Receive means to lay hold of in order to use it. The word receive means to take in order to carry away. In other words, this is mine forever. I'm not just taking it and then dropping it. Believe you receive means you're taking it with the idea of carrying it with you for the rest of your life. Hold on to it. The word take in the Greek means to take what is one's own. And this is what we need to realize. Healing is ours. Jesus already bought and paid for it and gave it to us. We're not taking something that belongs to somebody else. We're taking what belongs to us. Jesus purchased our healing for us and it's waiting there with our name on it. And we need to have the attitude to know I'm not taking something that's God's. I'm not taking something that's so-and-so's. I'm taking what's my, my name is on that healing. You're taking something that belongs to you. Yeah. Yes, sir. You have no hesitation when you realize it belongs to you. Right? right. I mean, it would be weird, you know, to take this right now because it doesn't belong to me. Okay. I have no intention of keeping this unless I'm a thief. Right. This is Ashton's. But, when it comes to something that's mine, I don't have to ask. I I just take it. A lot of people are asking God over and over and over again for things that He's already said belongs to them. What they need to do is start taking what He's provided instead of asking God to give what He's already given. You can find out what He's given by reading the book. To, to, To receive means to make one's own. Now, this is what receive means. You ready? To claim or procure procure for oneself. Everybody say to claim. claim. Well, I don't believe in claiming all that stuff. I don't believe in claiming. Name it, claim it, name it, claim it. You better believe in it. It's how you get saved. And I know this sounds funny, but every time I go to the airport, I I see the baggage claim (laughs) sign. And all these people say, I don't believe in that name it, claim it stuff. I don't believe you have to claim anything. If God wants you to have it, He'll just make you have it no, he expects babies to grow up and not need bottle-fed all their life. Take some things, alright? Go to the fridge yourself. You are born with legs. Right. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, it's a sad thing to have to be waited on at 25 years old. That's not a, a nice time. That's not a good day. If we always were spoon-fed and bottle-fed, that means something's radically wrong. So it means to claim, and so I was thinking at the airport, you know, you see baggage claim, I think, you have to go and claim your own baggage. But some people, the way they believe about God, they go to the airport, well, if God wants me to have my baggage, He'll just find me and wherever I'm at, and my baggage will just float up to me, and it'll float into my car, and if God wants it, but if it's not the will of the Lord, you know, then I guess somebody else gets my baggage and I'll just have to buy new luggage every time I go flying. And It's, it's wrong. It's just wrong. Well, God just wants me to have it. You know, I don't believe in that claimant stuff. You better claim it, but it's mine. If it's mine, it'll, it'll just float up to me. No, you've got to go get it. Yep. Yep. To receive means of that which, when is taken, it's not let go. Receive means of that which, when taken, is not let go. To, To receive means to seize, apprehend, take possession of, to appropriate to oneself. That's what we need to do. And we need to do it like little children do it, without any condemnation or guilt. If the Father's given, He already knows all your shortcomings and He still wants you to have it. He already knows all your mistakes. Past, present, and future. And He still wants you to have it. He still knows all the mishaps. He still knows all the sins and the times you fell flat on your face. And He's still staying here. Did you know that if you'll be a better receiver of what He's providing for you, it'll actually strengthen you to live better? Mm -hmm. It'll strengthen you to shut the door on things you need to shut the door on? Did you know that? We need to look at receiving the promises and blessings of God as a help to us to live the way He wants us to live. It's very hard to live the way He wants you to live without receiving His help to live that way. Well, Father, we thank You. You wouldn't tell us to fear not if we couldn't help it. And Father, You would not tell us to only believe if we couldn't believe. These things are choices to talk and act certain ways. These things are choices on the inside of us. And Lord, let it go on record. We choose to fear not. We choose to fear not. If anything happens in the future, Lord, that if a bad report comes our way or something tries to happen, we're going to take heed to this night tonight. We're going to fear not. We're going to stay calm and we're going to see a miracle. Because fear not is the first step to seeing a miracle in times of crisis. And remember, fearing not does not mean absence of feelings, fearful feelings. It just means acting and talking like God didn't lie. And so, Father, we thank you not only can we stay out of fear. We thank you that we can believe. You've given us the measure of faith. And you did not shortchange us. We have within us right now the ability to overcome anything that comes against us in this life. And instead of wondering or going to our feelings or our emotions to see if we can do it, we're just going to boldly believe that what you said is true. We're going to believe that your word is true. We're going to act like it's true. And we're going to see results because you did not lie to us. Father, it's impossible for you to lie. You're not a man that you should lie or the son of man that you should repent. You have said it and you will do it. And so we thank you very, very much tonight for helping us to be good receivers We'll quit examining ourselves, seeing if we're perfect or worthy. We're just going to receive like little children. We're going to enjoy the blessings of God. And we're going to live for you with these blessings. We're going to let these blessings lift us up to higher places. Greater advancements in you. And we thank you that it's happening in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. Let's just pray in the Spirit for a minute here. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the moving of your spirit. Uh-huh. Tell you what we're going to do, church. We're going to pray the prayer of faith tonight. Mark eleven twenty-four, And we're going to pray it as a church. And we're going to pray it in agreement with those who are here tonight that need prayer, need a miracle, need a healing. We're going to believe God together. And we're going to all pray, Mark 1124, on behalf of anyone here tonight that needs healing or a miracle. And I believe it's going to work. I believe it's going to powerfully happen. But if you look up here for a second, Jesus, he he spoke to a man because he, he... we grow up sometimes and we, we accumulate all this wrong teaching and wrong attitude and stuff. And so here, here's a guy being let down through the roof, right, a paralyzed man with four crazy friends. If everybody needs at least four crazy friends that believe God like you. Let him down through the roof, broke up the roof. Jesus is preaching in this meeting. It's packed out. It's in somebody's house. And this man's let down. It kind of interrupts the meeting, I guess. And Jesus saw their faith. And now listen to what he says. Sometimes people have to hear this before they can receive their healing. You ready? Sometimes people have to hear these words before they can be in the receiving mode for their healing. First thing Jesus said to this paralyzed man, you ready? Son, or man, your sins are forgiven you. He needed to hear that. So he could get in the receiving mode like a little child. Because he obviously was thinking, I'm not sure if this is gonna work. I've not been a perfect man. I've made a lot of mistakes. And when he heard the master say, Man, your sins are forgiven you. It put him in the receiving mode. And then when the Lord said, and then the Pharisees were going, Who could forgive sins but God only? You blasphemer. And he just started mocking the Lord. And the Lord said, Let me ask you a question. Not what's harder to say. Both are easy. He said, what's easier to say? Son, your sins be forgiven you or arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, stand up, take up your bed and go home. And the Bible says he did what the Lord told him to So you got to be obedient if you want to be healed. Right. The Lord says, get up. And you can't, you do it anyway. That's how you get a miracle. If the Lord tells you to stretch forth a hand that it ain't there, you know, you've tried it a million times, nothing happened. But when the Lord tells you, what is His commands? They're enablings. So if He tells you to do it, the power there to do it is right there too. If He tells you to stretch forth your hand, what do you do? Stretch it out. You do what you can't do. Right? And when your effort ends... His power finishes it. But if there's zero effort, what's God times a zero? What's God times zero? Anybody? What's yeah. God in God His almightiness times zero? You doing zero. What's God times zero? Zero on your behalf. But what's God times point zero, 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 zero one? Yeah. Yeah. That's victory. Enough. <laughs> it's now, now it's God's in the equation. God times point zero, 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 one is God. Right? Uh-huh we got to get in the habit of doing things we can't do. We want to see miracles. When I say can't do, in our own power. Because when He tells you to do it, the ability to do it comes on the scene. That's different than trying a thousand times without that word. But when you have His word on it, you now have the ability to do what He said. Don't be like Peter. Lord, we've toiled all night long and we've caught nothing. But he did get, He did realize. But nevertheless, it's your word will do it, and he did what the Lord said, and they got a miracle. Right. When water was turned to wine, he, Jesus' mother said, "Whatever he says to you, do it." They did it, and they got a miracle. Mm-hmm. Fill the water pots with water, and they got a miracle. Amen. Well, let's, I want to pray this prayer face. So I, I believe the Lord wanted to say that to yeah. you. Your sins are forgiven. You praise God. Get that off your plate. Get that out of your mind. What you've done cannot hinder you from receiving a miracle or a Praise healing. God. Remember this too. The next time something tries to happen, just know this. God's not offering these things based on our perfection. He's offering these things based on His love for us. Yeah. Amen. So why don't we stand up?